LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to the One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, Scott, as we speak, as we record this, the borders of Australia are beginning to crack open, hopefully for good, hopefully wider, but there's just a light at the end of the tunnel. We might be able to, uh, uh, to you know, the future might look different. Tell me, what, what is it you've missed most? Or what do you, no, what are you most looking forward to with the borders opening? I am looking forward to you coming back down to Sydney and staying with us for, for a night. Oh, I'm man. looking forward to, you know, catching up with you face to face. I think the kids are looking for that. <laughs> it's going to be nice. Excellent. Well, thank you for reading what I put in the script there. That's great. <laughs> All right. The one thing is brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and we'd encourage you to check out our new network page on iTunes. See all the other quality podcasts that are available there. But for now, you have pressed played on another episode of The One Thing, Timeless Staffing Rules. Now, Last time we spoke, Scott, we spoke about staffing in 2021 because it's been a, an unusual year this year, obviously, and it has severe implications for how we do church, but also how we staff. But we wanted to take a, an episode just to talk about some uh, general timeless principles for thinking through staffing um, when it's not COVID, when it is COVID, just things you want to consider at any point. Now, just talk to us a little bit about the things. Can I get a sense of what are some of the mistakes that you have seen as you've been consulting across churches that, that churches generally make when it comes to staffing before we start digging into the principles? Yeah, well, uh, some of the mistakes. Uh, I think one of the mistakes is not to engage someone outside of your, you know, outside of your church and outside of your system who can, who can give you that outside perspective and, uh, and look in and give you some help. Because staffing is real... I, I mean, it's, it's personal, you know, they're people that you've developed their long-term relationships. It's very hard to extract yourself and, and not have that, um, not have that bias. And so I actually think engaging someone externally is quite helpful because they can actually help you, you know, lift above your day-to-day experience and help you actually see, you know, what's really going on. Um, so in terms of some of them, you know, I think that's a key mistake that you don't engage outside people. Now you can, that could be your eldership, that could be your parish council. Uh, that could be someone in your, you know, in your church family who's, who's a human resources expert. You know, so I'd say, uh, look, you know, look, get someone to look in and, and ask some questions. Second thing I'd say is uh, actually having a staffing plan. Most churches don't have a staffing plan. They don't often have a strategic plan either, and they're both kind of linked. But thinking about where you want to go and realizing that hopefully that's, that's got a growth trajectory to it, that will need staff. And you need to be thinking 12 to 18 months ahead of time. So I think the other mistake a lot of leaders make is, oh, we'll be able to find someone. Oh, they're coming out of college. You know, they'll be the right person. The reality is it's going to take a lot of time uh, often to find the right person and to find the right fit into your staff team as well. And so I'd be saying a big mistake that church leaders don't make as well is they actually don't raise up people from within and they actually don't have a full developed leadership pipeline where there are always people sort of bubbling to the surface who can be put into into roles uh, in church life? So they're just some just some big ones to start off. You know, it's quite a negative start, but there's. A, I mean, I've got more. I've got I've got some more. Uh, not uh, 
you know, church leaders don't regularly meet with their staff members. So, so they don't check in. Uh, I, I think of a fortnightly basis. I think that's a good rhythm that, that allows someone, you know, to be able to get on with what they need to be done. But a, a check-in that's pastoral um, and a check-in that is actually related to their work and, and their assignments. So having that regular uh, check-in is, is important. That's good. It's, that wasn't meant to be a negative question. And uh, I think part of it is just flagging. This is a massive investment in people, just a huge investment um, over years, both relationally, financially. So we want to think deeply into this. And I think sometimes we do just hope we can buy the right leaders rather than build the right leaders. Um, and so we, we want to think into how we, we navigate that dynamic. Which, so, which gives me one, one, last, one last mistake. <laughs> Looking for the superstar, uh, you know, and, and so obviously I've found that in you, in, you, know, in you Derek, you, you are the superstar. Um, but not everyone gets, you know, gets superstars like Derek Hanna in their team. Um, and so... <laughs> And we'll so just I be think, a note to the editor here to, to edit this bit out. It's good. <laughs> um, but we but we look for that superstar, don't we? You look for the person who's going to solve everything, and they're going to they're going to you know they're going to solve everything, and they don't exist. Um, the reality is you're going to get there's going to be conflict. They're not going to achieve everything that you want them to achieve, and uh, and and putting that expectation on someone is just so unhelpful. So I think that's another thing we look for the superstar as opposed to looking for a team member who, who is not like you or will actually fit in with your team so that they will collectively be a better, a better unit. Yep, that's good. All right, talk to us about what we need to know then about some of the uh, timeless church staffing principles. So, so these principles just come from a, a book that I found really helpful by Gary McIntosh uh, on staffing, staffing your church for growth. Uh, and so we'll put a link in the show notes to that book. Uh, it's an old book, but I think it's, I, I found it a really helpful book. The way that he helps you think through uh, some key guidelines and some key processes to go through. So in any sort of staffing consult, this is kind of a, the framework that I, um, you know, I sort of work through. So the first one is um, the second staff person to be hired should be a person who balances the gifts and talents of the senior pastor. So what's involved in this is actually you doing the work as a senior pastor or senior minister to reflect on what are your uh, key strengths. And, uh, and, and Gary, Gary's got a really helpful sort of, you know, uh, box, box across the top that looks at task-based roles. So finding people, keeping people, celebrating people, educating people, overseeing people and caring for people. So they're quite broad uh, functions in church life. Identify where it is that you sit on, on, uh, on that chart and find someone who is, not like you often we go and you know we go and hire people who are like us and actually in that second hire you're wanting to create a more um you know i guess a more balanced staff team but you're also wanting to identify i'm really good at this and uh and so i want to i want to get better at this and do this better uh i want to hand off stuff that i'm not good at but i want to hand it off to someone who is uh, good at it um gary's second guideline is that the second person to be hired should fill one of the roles on the, he calls it the nomothetic portion of the staffing grid. So I just call it on the task-based side of things. So often we think, okay, we really need a kids minister or a youth minister. Now, if you're thinking a youth minister, you're stuck in the, um, in the 90s. Uh, if you're thinking a kids ministry, you're stuck in the 80s. Uh, you know, you can kind of sell, you can tell when people are, have, have read on. their staffing books. Listen. You can't throw that out and not defend it, all right? They're two kind of shots across the bow. Why is that? 
Oh, I just because uh, I, I listen because I, I have good memories of both the eighties and the nineties. <laughs> so what's your problem? Oh, I just I I just I just use that as an example because I I think back you know it's just like all we need is a youth group. We get a youth group happening and church will grow. You know that was that was a, the nineties. You know eighties was we just need a strong kids ministry. Uh, I think the two thousands all we need is a church planner. You know I just need that entrepreneurial guy. So let's get a church planner on our team. We'll send him out and then church life will you know church life will go. So I actually think. Gary's really helpful in saying, actually, um, the second person to be hired should fill a role that you're not good at. So that's the second, uh, second guideline. Uh, guideline number three, the third staff person to be hired should fill one of the ideographic roles. So this is when you do actually start to think into the demographics of the church. So I would say the third person potentially would be someone who, you know, fills, say, a, a key uh, ministry. Start. So that could be um, you know, kids, kids, children's ministry could be youth ministry. It could be if you've got a, a lot of students, if you're a uni church, it could be seniors. If you've got a, a demographic background of high. Now, I just want to, I do want to sort of gaze that a little bit to say, um, you know, do this in the context of thinking about your strategic priorities. And so this is in the context of hiring for your strategic priorities. And so I would, I would have thought that if you're starting to bring on a third person, you're pushing past that 200 barrier. Uh, and often a key growth area uh, for for a church is in that kids ministry space, that family space, and uh, and you're starting to get to the size where you just can't hire, you can't you can't fill that uh, with someone who's not employed. It's it's a three day a week role, not a not a not a, not a high level volunteer role. Uh, guideline four: uh, the remaining staff positions should be alternated then between the nomothetic roles and the ideographic roles to preserve balance in the overall ministry. So as you pulled on a kids ministry worker, you might want to push back into, um, you know, I, I, I would call it the purpose area or the task-based um, roles, and then potentially might need to push back into, um, again, another demographic uh, type role. I, in, in my sense, I would be trying to staff for the purposes before necessarily uh, thinking into how to hit those key demographic um, phases uh, because often, you know, often that's achieved via your uh, gatherings and, and when your gatherings are on. So if, if you've got say a, th a third staff member and you've hired for a kids ministry role, the next staff person should um, be someone who's actually going to pick up one of those purpose areas. So let me just push, put it out there. I reckon by this stage, you really want to, you know, staff for mission. If you haven't been staffing for that, uh, that at this stage, allows you to have um, a, a larger structured mission program with, with um, you know, with programs and, you know, courses uh, and, and someone building, you know, mission heat throughout the whole, you know, course of, course of the life of the church. And I obviously, think, that'll yeah. be dependent on what you're like as a leader as well, where your giftings are for that. Totally. But I, I do think that as you're getting to sort of 200, 250, the leader, the leader's responsibility is more, uh, the, the senior minister, the senior pastor's role will be more leading the staff team and they'll be, they'll be just pushed into that a lot more. They'll be dealing with you know, high-level conflicts uh, that'll take them away. They need to be creating time to reflect and, and think about where they ought to be going. Uh, and, and I just think those things just take you away from, uh, from mission often, unless you're you know, high evangelist, you know, high, you know, high mission. But, but I, I still feel by that stage you are getting, um, you're getting pulled away more and more from that. Yeah, all right, that's helpful. And uh, what's number five, your last one? Um, the staff positions on the nomothetic uh, grid provide the most benefit to a church's overall growth potential. 
So I've already talked about that. If you can staff a purpose, you, you ought to realize that that's going to give you capacity across the whole of the whole of church life. And so whilst you might have loud voices saying, you know, what about seniors? What about women? You know, women ministry, we need someone in women, in women's ministry, or uh, we just need a youth worker. If you find and identify people who can fill those purpose-based roles and those task-based roles, hopefully uh, they will be the people who create teams who, you know, build health across the whole of uh, a whole of church life. So they're kind of the, they're kind of the five key guidelines and principles that Macintosh talks about that I think are timeless and I think are really uh, helpful to be thinking into. Okay, that's good. Uh, we'll put that graph uh, or link to that image on the show notes so you can actually see those things laid out and how to do it. But talk to us about what kind of staffing ratios we should be thinking into. Again, this is where Macintosh book is, uh, you know, is, is a bit unhelpful because it, it's in the American context that he, that he writes. So he pushes for sort of a one to 150 ratio, which in a, I think in a lot of US churches, they're very much focused on the gathering on Sunday. So they don't really have a small groups structure. Uh, so if you like, if youth ministry was so 1980s, small groups are so 2010s in, in the American church life. So it's like they've only just found small groups in the last sort of five to 10 years. Um, whereas I think in our context in Australia, we've, we've had a focus on small groups. The staffing ratio needed, I think, in, an, in Australian church often is, um, you know, is more, more for that. But the reality is, if you look at a lot of the American data as well, they're pushing for a lean ratio of about one to 80 or one to 85 um, people. And so that, that uh, means that you have uh, enough staff who are, who are actually going to delegate and, and hand over responsibility. I think if you overstaff, so that's a ratio of sort of one to 50, often what happens if you, is you create that uh, cultural clericalism, you create that culture of the staff do things. Uh, and the staff get things done. And uh, as I said, you want to be raising up or identifying staff who can actually build teams and build capacity. And so uh, I, I usually use the ratio of one to 65 for a church that's actually growing. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of healthy if you're in a growth trajectory because you, you need to be putting on staff more than what, what you've actually got. So one to 65 is, is a healthy ratio. One to 85, I think is, is what you should be aiming for. Um, and then, uh, the only other sort of pushback I'd, I'd, I'd say is if you're in a city church, often I think they need to have um, maybe just a little bit lower ratio of one to 75. Uh, but again, this is, this is general rules. You've got to actually look at the staff team in front of you. You, you might have a number of you know, high capacity you know, staff members who can operate at a, at a, you know, at a margin um, and at a level for, you know, that, that's unsustainable for most people. If you've got those uh, members, then often, you know, you can be operating at sort of one to a hundred, you know, one to 120, but I don't think you can staff at that level for a long time and not staff at a sustainable way. It's not a, it's not a linear line though. That is it. It's a, it's an ex, it becomes more complex over time. And so that does change the staffing ratio. Um, yeah. It might be, might be one to 65 at the start when you're below 200 it might be lower than that when you're much higher because of the complexity of the whole system that you're looking after yeah and that um, and that that's where macintosh's other book taking your church to the next level is is quite important you know he talks about those growth barriers and he helpfully doesn't put that linear line you know the, the the beautiful exponential line it's basically sort of a step you know there's a there's a hard step and so you'll you'll need to actually um 
you know, building capacity will be an issue, but also staffing capacity will be an issue as well. So you, you've got to employ someone before you get to that growth barrier in order to get past that growth barrier. And that's the, that's the, that's the tension that church councils and church leaders face. They need to be willing to take that risk, employ someone before you need it. All right, well, this has uh, been a really helpful discussion, but we're going to extend this over two episodes. There's so much to say. So that's the end of part one. Uh, tune in next episode for part two when we keep pushing into timeless staffing rules. <laughs>